The Fury of the Incarnates is live, and in this episode, I'm going to give you all the information I can on the Dream Surges, which is the new public event in 10.1.7. But this is going to be a shorter episode because we're going to have a second episode this week covering what's coming in 10.2, which has just been teased on Blizzard's official Twitter. For Kalimdor. To the Burning Legion. For Gilneas. For Kazmatan. For the Lich King. For the Sindorai. For the Alliance. For the Horde. For Azeroth. Hello and welcome to For Azeroth. I am your host, the True Villain Manny, and today we're going to be talking all about 10.1.7, which has gone live on servers both in the NA and in the EU. This is the pre-patch, if you will, to 10.2 and is setting up where we are going in what I think is going to be the final chapter of Dragonflight. This patch includes a lot of stuff which is actually quite surprising for a small patch. It is actually, I think, a larger patch in some ways than 10.1.5 was. In this patch, we have the heroic version of Dawn of the Infinites, which has been split into two four-boss uh, dungeons. We have the Night Elf and Forsaken Heritage Armor. And the big showstopper is the new public event, Dream Surges. So starting with Dream Surges, we have a number of things that have been mixed together. I had initially thought this was going to be sort of a iteration of Time Rifts, but they've taken Time Rifts and added so much more. The first thing is that instead of being once every hour, it's actually once every half hour. And on top of the main event, the team has added a number of complementary side missions or activities that you can do while you wait for the half hour intervals and that means that while you're playing you always have something to do as long as there's a reward that you're after but for those of you who have limited time let me break it down on what you should be doing if you have everything available to you the first thing is you need to go to the right zone the four original zones will rotate through which one has this event happening each week. Look on your map and you will see the icon, which looks like a kind of moon, um, very Night Elf inspired kind of icon. And if you scroll over it, you will be able to see that it will say that there's Dream Surge active there and how long it's active for. Again, it's really just once per week resetting with the weekly reset. When you're in the zone, that same icon will point you towards Nerelix, who people might remember from the good old Baron's dungeon, the Wailing Caverns. Along with Nerelix, there's going to be two other NPCs, the Archdruid, Hamel, Rune Totem, and Celestine of the Harvest. If you speak with Nerelix, he will provide you the ability to shape the Dream Surge. As I said before, these things happen in every half hour intervals. So the vote, while it doesn't affect what you're currently doing this half hour interval, it will decide which buff everybody in the zone gets for the next half hour. This is on top of a standard buff that happens 
regardless of what you choose, which is a 25 experience increase for anybody in the zone who happens to be leveling. The choice between buffs will change each time, and of course, some are better than others. Hamel Rune Totem will sell higher level gear for a more rare Dream Surge Chrysalis, while Celestine of the Harvest will sell a number of things, lower level gear, as well as pets, mounts, and toys. Now, if you are trying to level up your alts, the 402 gear that you get from Celestine is quite good. That's equivalent, it's slightly less than what you would get in LFR and can be used with the catalyst to make sure you get your full tier pieces. Remember that tier this season is an automatic thing. So if you have a brand new character that hits level 70 today, it will have all the charges as if it had been active throughout the season. The gear coming from Rune Totem is higher. It's 415 gear and is on the champion track, which means it goes higher. And that is equivalent to, again, just a little bit below, three points below the entry level gear that you would get from normal um, Aberyst to Shadowed Crucible. One thing to note is that if you're after specific weapons, the gear that you can get with the Dream Surge Coalescence is an RNG loot box. You get a Dreambound weapon, and that can give you a random weapon for your particular class. Again, that's class, not necessarily specialization. Meanwhile, if you use your Dream Search Chrysalis with Hummel Rune Totem, you can purchase the exact weapon or offhand that you want. So my suggestion is, if you are limited on time, use your limited Dream Search Chrysalis for weapons first, because weapons are going to give you more power in general. And you won't be subject to the RNG of the lower stuff from Celestine. So let's talk about what you do during these Dream Surge events. The big event that I was talking about before is a waking dream. Every so often on the map, you will see a little icon that looks like fire. That is going to be where a number of the Druids of the Flame and their cohorts are going to be attacking the area. If you are low level and don't want to fight, you can still pitch in by using your dragon riding and flying above the area. There are birds that are flying around. They have circles around them. You fly through those circles. It counts towards the completion. The completion is defeating enough enemies, interacting with enough items, and flying through those birds to get the bar up to 100%. The birds aren't worth much, but they are worth something. And really, nothing is worth that much. Defeating the non-elite enemies is worth about 1%. Defeating the elite enemies is worth about 2%. So you are going to need a crowd of people to get this done. And in fact, when I was testing this on the PTR, this was a real struggle to do with uh, two, three people. But... On live, these things go quickly, so if it's up, make sure you head there ASAP. The next priority would actually be the rares that show up in the zone. When a rare spawns in the zone, it will be empowered by the dream. That means it's going to be a lot tougher than what you remember, but 
with the increased difficulty comes better rewards. These guys are going to be dropping slightly shy of 30 of the coalescing essences, and then they also have a chance of dropping uh, gear tokens directly so that you can get those tokens. The same thing is true for the boss of the Waking Dream. At the end of filling that bar, a boss will spawn, and this boss will again give you a tremendous amount of the coalescing essences and uh, have a chance of dropping the tokens directly. When those aren't available, there are smaller portals, also called Waking Dreams, unfortunately confusing enough, and those portals can be found throughout the zone. Unfortunately, these are not on the map, so you will have to come across them when you do come across them, or if somebody is nice and puts it out in chat, make sure you're paying attention and fly out to deal with those. These things are like mini versions of the big waking dreams. Once they are active, they will spawn different enemies. When you kill those waves of enemies, it'll eventually uh, spawn a commander or captain. Killing the captain will give you roughly 10 or so of the coalescing essences. But the waves also have a chance of giving essences, so it it works out to be pretty good. In between that, you will see little moats. These moats are fantastic because they not only give you about three to five coalescing essences, but they also will give you a small amount of whelpling shards as well towards building whelpling crests. Again, all of the gear that you're getting from this can be upgraded, so on an alt, having a quick way of getting the crest is fantastic, and these stack up fast. Though a token would cost about a hundred of the coalescing essences, you can collect these so quickly. In fact, in my playtime, and I, again, I've had a day ahead of the EU crowd, I have managed to collect almost 2,000 of the waking essences which is enough for the most expensive item on the vendor which was a thousand for a vanity mount as well as tokens for uh, for my alt while i was doing that i got many tokens directly from the bosses and were and i've been able to get upgrades for a number of my alts including different um armor types for a demon hunter for lever or my warlock getting cloth so on and so forth as you're going around there will also be little plants which much like the moats will be able to get you a number of those resources both the whelpling shards and the coalescing essences so the last thing that's in there is that there will be quests one requires that you do world quests that same quest will also ask you to kill one of the rares and collect a set amount of essences i believe it's a hundred the thing is you want to do all of these even doing world quests will give you coalescing essences and there's even a buff that will double the amount of gold that you will get from a world quest a world quest that might have only given you a couple hundred gold will suddenly be giving you over a thousand gold with this buff active if you happen to be lucky and be doing it at that time. 
The second quest just requires that you gather enough of the Dream Surge Coalescence, and that will give you one of the more rare Dream Surge Chrysalis, as well as some Drake uh, Shadow Flame Crest Fragments. Basically, go into the zone, pick up the quests, do the things in the priority to get you what you need, but make sure that you do everything in order to complete it and get that Dream Surge Catalyst, which is the rare thing that you need to get very specific weapons or higher level gear. And that's basically all there is to the Dream Surges. It seems pretty simple once you break it down, and I'm really sad that Blizzard did such a poor job of actually communicating it, but I guess that's more content for me. The really cool thing about this is because it happens so quickly, because it's very freeform, and because you can just choose whatever is your priority, it's actually a lot more engaging than the time rifts for, for me. And I think the only reason that my feelings were really all over the place was genuinely because I didn't really have direction on what to do, or I didn't know exactly how things worked, and that was kind of sad. I think that there's also a couple of bugs that are kind of marring the experience. Right now, with the smaller waking dreams, you could have some that are bugged. And this is really uh, problematic because you won't know how you're supposed to do them, and therefore you won't realize that they're bugged unless somebody tells you. So let me just tell you right now. Again, these portals will be all over the zone, and there will not be a map indicator for them. If you come across a portal, you are supposed to be able to click on the portal, assuming it's not already going, to start it being active. But the bugged portals will be there, and you won't be able to click on them. You might think, oh, it's already active, but it won't be spawning stuff. So the way to look at it is that if you have your name plates active, a non-bugged portal should have its nameplate readily visible. Or, if you're not sure, when you mouse over it, you should then be able to see your mouse turn into a gear. If that doesn't work, then it's likely that the portal is bugged. Move on. The next thing that was kind of weird was if you kill a rare, it is still based on your lockout. So the rare might spawn, everybody might be going, and because you killed it earlier, you don't get any loot. Make sure you're remembering what you've killed, or you have an add-on that will track it for you. Waking Dream Portals don't have a lockout. You can kill the rares from that every time, and you will get rewards from that every time. Which means that there's sort of a difference between what you could do once per day, once per week, and what you can farm to your heart's content. So keep that in mind when you're playing. So while I feel this is a marked improvement over 10.1.5 and the time rifts, I have to say that the general consensus is that this is actually kind of mid. There has been a lot of fantastic parts about Dragonflight. 
and there has been some stuff that hasn't been as good and that inconsistency is really what's starting to become the talking points in the community a lot of people are loving the story the cinematic team kicking it out of the park i personally am loving the ui updates they keep bringing in new and new stuff in fact in this patch we got the new ping system which is something that I would want to talk about, but I haven't really had a chance to get used to it myself. And until I'm using that in like a raid or dungeon properly, I don't want to really give a half-baked review. The thing about Dragonflight is that they are completely going in a new direction. We are getting faster content releases. We are getting a lot of content that is purely optional. In fact, the title of last episode was optimally optional and what that meant was that you can go through 10.1.7 do the different story beats that have been unlocked and completely skip all of this content that they've done for dream surges do i think that that is wise it actually depends on where you're sitting right now we are in an amazing time for video games. People are loving Diablo 4, and if you haven't like blazed through the entirety of that campaign, people are loving that. But then again, Season 1 of Diablo 4 didn't go over so well. More universally loved is uh, Baldur's Gate 3. People are loving Baldur's Gate 3, going through and doing playthroughs of that. We just had the release of Starfield and that is a game that has been widely anticipated. We are getting different updates for so many different things. ESO is getting an update. Uh, honestly, go check out the Girls Gone Wow podcast. They cover a bunch of different uh, games as well as Shantyman and Raven do the 10th Divine which covers ESO. There's a lot of stuff that's out there and so if you want to skip over 10.1.7 you can do that but that's not the point of 10.1.7 i believe it's to get people who are coming in late the ability to catch up and play some of the gems that have been in dragonflight if you are like my friend wochi who's part of the dungeon jojo he didn't do the blue dragonfight quest something that i think was absolutely phenomenal the uh, story quests in 10.1, I was not the biggest fan of, but the stories that were around for the Black Dragon Flight being redeemed were not everything. Like I said, there was a the Blue Dragon Flight stuff. There is the stuff with the Bronze Dragon Flight, which has been coming in 10.1.5 and continues now in 10.1.7. And I think that's actually quite fantastic. All of this means that you can set WoW down for a little bit and play when you feel you're ready. The one thing I would say is that if you are trying to be absolutely 100% prepared for 10.2, do the storylines that are currently available because it is likely that this is going to follow the same suit that we saw with 10.1 where the 10.0.7 uh, Forbidden Reach storyline became the first chapter and was in fact mandatory before you could really do the storyline of 10.1 properly. So get that done. 
I really do want to hear from you guys. Are you liking Dragonflight now that we are reaching, again, what I think is going to be the finale? Did you like the story? Did you like the way that the cadence was and how fast we got stuff? Did you like the stuff that we got? What was the best? What was the worst? I know this is a short show, but I'm going to be doing a follow-up episode because tomorrow there will be the uh, full announcement of 10.2, which is going to be with the WoWcast. So make sure you check out the team at WoWcast over on YouTube, and I will be covering that and everything that we learn shortly after.